You know, this morning I want to share some things with you from God's Word. And um, I, I, I know this may make it more, I don't want to make things more difficult. Is there any way you can just, can the lights just right above my head? I know, I know I'm a, an oddball. Can you help me just a little bit with that? Uh, just a, a little glare for me right now. And uh, that, that's good. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You're probably saying, well, we'll shut them all the way off if you like. But, I mean, uh, anyhow, uh, this morning, uh, as we, we come to this service, I want to say we're grateful for what God's doing around the world. We see the, uh, the campus, uh, the move of God on, on campuses across the United States, beginning, you know, with Asbury and other places. And God wants to complete that work. Uh, through advancing it around the nation and around the world uh, prior to his return. And so we're believing and trusting the Lord for that. And we have a number of folks who are sick and uh, people who are out. And uh, I pray that uh, you will keep them in your prayers and you will remember them. Uh, You know, COVID has made a little bit of another visit. And I just am looking forward to the extinction of the COVID family. How about you? Yeah, and it's, uh, everybody's different. You know, if I had, we had a go around one time, hardly knew that I had it. And then the last time this past week, it was in my lungs, and I had to get some uh, treatments and medication for that. And so I'm going to tell you, I'm doing good. I've, uh, I, um, if you're worried about getting near me, um, uh, you, you don't have to. <laughs> I got my rabies shot, so uh, no. But no, we're doing better. Uh, I'm I'm negative twice. Okay, so I've done that little thing, and uh, Robin, she's uh, she's never negative, always very positive. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Amen. Well, and just a note, I just, if, if the board could just see me very briefly after the service, I, I would appreciate it. I won't keep you long because I, I have a service to do this afternoon and I want, I just um, just need probably a couple of minutes if somewhere like over in here if you'd be available. Uh, but this morning as we talk about this scripture you know, the Lord wants to lift burdens, not add to them. You know, Jesus didn't come to make your life more of a drudgery, more difficult. Uh, he came to bring freedom. And sometimes when you look at the focus of our, uh, our relationship with the Lord, you would tend to believe that Jesus makes life a lot more difficult for us. And uh, that's not the way I read the scriptures in here because the, the Lord made an appeal to all those who were laboring under the yoke of the law. You know, all the yoke of the law, and we know that, uh, you know, when you look at it, there, there were 613 laws that kind of were generated or uh, uh, commentaries, oral and written, that were added uh, 248 positive comments, uh, commandments, 365 negative. And then you, you had all of the additional traditional amendments and additions to the law, you know, and so when we look at that and we think about the weight of all of that, you know, the focus of thought was that you had to strive to fulfill all of these laws and all of these rules 
And uh, in doing so, many times there was the, the people were, like Jesus said, uh, they were white as sepulcher, full of dead men's bones. There were, he, he, didn't, he, didn't condemn their, he didn't condemn them for tithing. He said, these things you should do, but you should not neglect those most important things, right? Uh, that, that justice and the mercy and all of the other things that are part of God's compassionate in, uh, love. And so God never condemned him for praying. He just cited the fact that there were those who stood on street corners to be seen by others. He didn't condemn public prayer. Uh, but he, what he was speaking about was the, those who sought to put people under the weight of performance rather than relationship. You know, God doesn't so much, you know, the, the performance is not where you're going to find your acceptance in God's eyes. You're, you're, all of that will come to, into, into its proper place through a personal relationship with God. When we grow in relationship with him, the other things become what they need to be and what they should be. Because aren't you glad today that none of you had to bring your animal sacrifices into the house of God today? Aren't you glad for that? You know, we live in a good day. You could have lived, you and I could have lived a couple thousand years ago and had responsibilities to provide for such. And, you know, we don't know how good we really have it. You know, we are blessed. You know, Jesus in Matthew 15, he's talking to some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law who came to him uh, from Jerusalem. And and, uh, they said to him, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. And Jesus replied, why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Because for all of the commentary and the commentary on the commentary... Uh, and, and all of the traditions and the spin-offs, and we like to do that. That's human nature. We make things a lot more tedious than they need to be, right? How many know that's human nature? We want it to be more elaborate. We, wanna, we want it to, that's human nature because without God, everything is about performance. It's all about what we do and not so much about what we allow God to do in our lives, Jesus said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are rules taught by men. Aren't you glad you're not yoked to a spirit of legalism that says that, you know, it's all about what you do? You know, what I do should be an outgrowth of what I'm allowing God to do inside of me. The works that we do follow, right? They don't run ahead. They follow. It's because the Spirit of the Lord within us is given the place where he can do what it is that God purposes to do and the growth and, and, and the works follow. You know, when we think about the Pharisees, they were the ultimate religious people on the planet. The Jews, uh, 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 among the Jews, especially during that time, uh, during the life of Christ, You know, they were determined not to break any of God's laws. And I'm going to say this first and foremost. The Ten Commandments are not ten suggestions, right? You understand. I'm not minimizing or or trying to undercut any of what God has purposed because I am nothing. God is all. He's the author and the finisher of this faith. Aren't you glad he is and you're not? Because that will end up a train wreck every time if you and I are running this thing. One would think uh, with such a desire to follow the intricate system of written and oral laws and to keep them uh, at the expense of compassion and love and mercy. They were yoked to a weight 
or they yoked people, sought to yoke people to a weight that was impossible. And Jesus spoke with compassion to those who had been overwhelmed by the requirements of the law and the spin-off requirements that were made by man, uh, the elevation of tradition over truth and compassion. And you know, uh, the essential problem lay in the, in the different understanding of God's nature. The Pharisees saw God as primarily one who makes demands. I want to say most of the world religions to, that are in existence today are, are centered around divinities who make demands of those who follow. How many of you know that Christianity is the exact reverse, that Jesus Christ satisfied the demands that would otherwise have fallen upon you and I, and God has given rather than taken, God has blessed us abundantly. How many are glad for that? If you're in heaven today, it won't be because you saved yourself. It won't be because of Jesus plus what you have done. It's going to be exclusively based upon what Jesus has done in our hearts. Because that takes away any sense of entitlement. We are, grace is unmerited favor. It was then and it will always be. So we're not yoked to legalism. We're not yoked to some standard that puts the weight of our salvation squarely upon our shoulders. You know, I don't know how many times over the course of years I've spoken with people who say, I can't come to church until I get my life straightened out. Well, if, if you came today against that mindset, uh, I want to tell you that you, Jesus can straighten things out today. You say, well, he's not going to fix it all in one day. No, but what, it, might not all, uh, it might not all happen today in the, in the expression of such, but the root and the heart of what is going to happen will take place today. The beginning, the heart, the foundation the, the, of what God is going to do in your life and mine will happen today. The Pharisees looked at the external compliance with the law of God. For Jesus, God looks at the heart. You know, that's what he always sees. You know, Paul said, judge nothing before it's time. You know, you know we, we think we know what goes on in other people's minds and hearts. And I want to tell you, you and I know nothing except for what God would allow us to see. And I want to say that Paul, he was talking about those who made judgments about his ministry. And he said, judge nothing. He says, I don't even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but what does that mean? He's saying that I might feel okay internally. He says, I dare not even judge myself. You say, shouldn't we self-evaluate? Absolutely. We should examine ourselves. But understand that our old nature can taint our understanding if we're not careful of what, how, what really is going on. Because sometimes the, the old nature will say, hey, you're better than others. You're more committed than other people are. Remember the Pharisee, he stood beside the publican and said, hey, I'm glad I'm not like this guy. I fast and I pray and I pay my tithe and, and this, I'm not like him. And he thought he was pretty good stuff, you know. And so he just, what he did was he just piled more weight of condemnation onto the sh shoulders of that publican. But that publican, that tax collector, he wouldn't even raise his eyes. But his, he was so filled with a remorse and a sense of, uh, you know, uh, of, uh, that he had fallen short. You know, Jesus says, well, after the interactions and with these men, with God, and in front uh, of this uh, image, 
who went home justified? You know, it's not the self-sufficient. It's not those who convey uh, uh, obedience to every principle. That doesn't mean we, we, we get sloppy. Grace is never a license to live a sloppy life. But we understand something. You know, if you and I say we comply in every way, we are a liar. Say that sounds sorry. We're liars. We make, you know, because even though we say we don't gossip, we think bad things about people. Oh, not me. Oh, no. I always think the best of it. I'm going to tell you, I, I, I live with a lady that I think tends to give people more of a benefit of the doubt than I ever will. But I know you don't always do that. <laughs> but anyhow, close. Uh, so I don't want to be yoked to anything that becomes an oppression to other people. God, Jesus wanted them to experience. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, it, 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 it's one of those things where he didn't say, I'm going to take this yoke away from you and you can just run around and you no longer are yoked to anything. You can just live the life you want. But he, he invited people to be joined together with him. You know, you had the young ox coming together with the senior ox and together they move in sync. And the neat thing about this picture is we're yoked with Christ, meaning that as the Holy Spirit leads us forward, we walk with Jesus and he guides our steps. And he has, he's the sufficiency. How many of you have found today that Jesus is the, uh, he is all sufficient in your life? Come on, church. That doesn't mean that we don't have needs that we, I'm not talking about, I'm not trying to, uh, I'm just simply saying at the core of all things, isn't Jesus the, the, the sufficiency of the things that we need? You know, we pray for people, whether they're mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, Jesus is the answer to all of it. The follower of a wise man will become wise. The follower of a fool will become a fool. Bible says, don't be uh, deceived. Bad company corrupts good uh, morals. Uh, the follower of a peacemaker will become a peacemaker. The follower of a gossip will become a gossip. Corruption does not require a conscience. So if we are, if we are going to be yoked with corruption, it does, corruption never requires that we have or use a conscience because we just are being carried away into whatever we have been led to believe. Godly character is shaped within the hand of the divine, within the hands of divine character. It is God who shapes our character in His image. Who I become is the consequences of the active consent that I give to those I choose to be influenced by. Don't follow after people who will lead you into that darkened view of what serving and living for Christ is about. You know, how many know that God has called us out of darkness into the light? This is not the most morose experience that you'll ever have. It is the best experience that you'll ever have in this life and in eternity is to have that wonderful relationship with the Lord. You know, as I think about uh, the influences that I give, you know, the Pharisees, uh, you know, Jesus said you travel over land and sea to make a, a single convert, and when you do, you make him twice the son of hell that you are. That's a strong indictment. He says you make them twice the sons of hell that you are. You know, they put them, placed them in, in a yoke of heavy oppression, and, and, and they became replications of what the Pharisees were. So when I come to Jesus, Jesus gives a gracious invitation to all of us. He says, uh, uh, um, 
Those who are weary, come unto me. If you're weary and heavy laden, come unto me and I will give you rest. How many know rest doesn't mean inactivity? It just means an internal peace and a renewal that goes on. That God, even when the external is worn down, the internal is renewed daily. You know, sometimes, uh, and I say this because I refer back to uh, uh, your, uh, what is that thing you were invited to? Mary Kay, you know. You, you know, there, there are people who are your Mary Kay friends. You hear from them when they want to have a Mary Kay party. <laughs> you never hear anything any other day. Hey, I love you. You're great. How you doing? How's your kids? How's your gerbil? How's your cat? How's your dog? How's everybody? Just thinking a lot about you here when I was forming this list. You know, sometimes the, with the invite comes an expectation and undue pressure. When you come to Jesus, what he, what he asks for is our surrender. He gives us much more than we'll ever give up. You know, it's foolishness to think that we're having to give so much up to be in relationship with Christ. But Because what, what he gives is always so much more in excess than what that we'll ever give him. People who pretend to be concerned but manipulate people for their own uh, agendas. You know, sometimes that happens, and that's what the Pharisees did. They were manipulators. Not all of them, but many of them were manipulators. They, they, they manipulated people, and they led people into a spirit of guilt and bondage and hopeless, a hopeless performance mindset that you are never going to be able to do this. And they controlled people with this false theology. Anything that becomes a yoke spiritually outside of or in addition to Christ in our lives will always become a hindrance and make serving Christ a wearisome burden as opposed to a joy. How many of you here today, uh, you, you live your Christian life and you see it as, as a joy? Oh, I'm carrying my cross for Jesus, you know. Whew. I'm glad he has more pickle juice to baptize me in. I want to tell you, we're not miserable. Come on, church. How many know we're not miserable? How many of you say, I'm not miserable? I've got, I, I want to be joyfully infectious to others. Because, you know, we can't blame the world for keeping people in darkness if we're not stepping out of darkness into the light. If we're still living a religious life rather than living as a brilliant light unto the Lord and the world, you know, the world's filled with religion. Part of the reason we have empty seats in our church is people are sick of religion. Because religion places undue expectations and weight on people. And if you listen to it, it's largely irrelevant to where people live. And above all, the largest indictment is either the absence of Christ in it or the perversion of who he really is. <laughs> you know, those moments of realization and surrender, which we call come-to-Jesus moments, and I think it's good to have a come-to-Jesus moment about every minute, if we're honest. You know, we don't do it, but we should be coming to Jesus quite more maybe than what we think occur when we are honest with the Holy Spirit. And it's, it, it speaks to the assumptions that he exposes the baseless beliefs that the thoughts and behaviors that we have embraced as deliberate examples of surrender 
are more aptly uh, reflections of a collapse into exhaustion of soul and spirit uh, from being driven by ambition and pride rather than being yoked with Christ. You know, I don't want to be yoked to ambition, religious ambition. God forgive me. Lord, I don't want to be yoked to this where the weight of my relationship with God is based on my performance because how many know that you and I are his workmanship? That you and I are clay vessels in which the Holy Spirit dwells and the glory never belongs to the vessel. It always belongs to the Spirit within. How many of you want to give the Holy Spirit full reign to take your life and to make it a masterpiece of God's workmanship? To choose Christ is to choose the best part of any situation. Remember, I'm going to move quickly here, I promise. At Luke 10, and Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen the good part which will not be taken away from her. You think about this now. You know, is Jesus saying that she didn't have any responsibilities? He didn't say that. He didn't say that she didn't have a responsibility to assist and help and to do the things of, that, are, that re- were required. But so often we abandon this personal, intimate relationship with God because we get so encumbered. People stop coming to church because it's a chore and a duty. It's a chore and a duty to come to church. How many know that when you come in here and you say, Lord, I came here today and uh, I don't know what you plan to do exactly, but whatever it is, I'm here and I want to be part of it. And I'm not going to sit and watch what others do. I'm going to just be drawn into the sweet presence of God. As Mary sat at the feet of Jesus, she wasn't focused on what Martha was doing. She was soaking up the Lord's presence. She was soaking up the words that he had spoken over her life. And really, that's where the sweetest part of our Christian walk come from. From allowing the Holy Spirit to speak the truth into your life about who he is and who you are. The most difficult part of choosing Christ, as opposed to all of the other yokes that could be offered, is that You know, we are called to choose him exclusively and to lay down all the other overwhelming or underwhelming, underperforming yokes of bondage. Some choose tradition because it's safe. I go to my, I do my thing and I do it boxed up and packaged in a tradition because that's what I like and that's what makes me feel good. It doesn't challenge me to go beyond it and it restricts my movement, but I am safe there. That's not what God wants. A trend, uh, or a trend even when it violates grace and truth. And the overwhelming weight of that which we have dropped a thousand times. You know, God says when you drop it, leave it down there. The weight, because it is too heavy for you to carry. Jesus invites those who follow him to follow him exclusively to the abandonment of all other yokes. Because he loves us and he cares. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. It, does, it, it means it, it's a gift. It produces peace. It, it's a yoke that produces, it blesses, it produces, it endows us with something that we would not know. But we walk with the Lord. He carries the heavy end of the, the load. He knows the direction and he walks through the difficult places and, and he wants to walk through them with us. The choice is a choice between 
freedom and bondage. Come on, how many here say, God, I want to choose freedom in Christ? How many of you say, oh, that's stupid, we all want that? No, sometimes it's just good for others around you to know that you truly want freedom rather than bondage. I don't want to live a life of bondage. What kind of life is that? And it says, as we look at it, being yoked together brings us by his side as we follow the lead of the Holy Spirit and life becomes a whole lot different. The yoke of Christ, you know, we think of this wooden bar or frame uh, by which two animals were joined together at their heads or necks for the purpose of pulling a load or uh, a plowing. Jesus also declares that his yoke is easy. The word easy here doesn't imply simple, but good. You know, anything that God bestows on us, every good and perfect gift comes from above, right? From the Father of lights, in whom there's no variable or changing. If I'm yoked to Jesus, there, there's peace in being yoked with someone who's good and loving and patient. You know, I, I, get into the yoke with me. Let me disciple you. I'll bear the weight of your burden. My yoke is good, and you will find rest and companionship in your labor. See, religion cannot, apart from Christ, cannot offer that. Jesus offers relationship. He's there for you. He will walk with you. He will guide your steps. He will help you. Why do we make this so difficult? Why do we make it a million hurdles and an obstacle course when Jesus said, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to make this tougher for you. I'm going to make it better for you. And I'm going to walk with you. And I'm going to guide you through this. And we'll plow through these obstacles together. And we'll pull this load together. It's Jesus' muscle that gets us through. It's his presence. The yoke of relinquishment. You give me, it's uh, five after if you're wondering. The yoke of relationship or relinquishment. Being yoked together with Christ requires that we lay down the weight and the stumbling blocks and our affections and our connection to the things which make life a bondage. You know, when we look at Hebrews 12, 1, it says, Therefore also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us uh, run with patience and endurance the race that is set before us. Lay it down. Lay it down. You don't have to carry this extra baggage around and try to live a life of uh, of monotony and, and hard. Life isn't, you don't get a license for easy life here. You know, when you come to Christ, there are going to be many persecutions, many tribulations. There are going to be times when you are persecuted, prosecuted. You're going to go through difficulties. You're going to walk through sicknesses. You're going to, you're, God's going to be with you through every season and storm. The yoke of relationship, we, it's a yoke of relationship. We cannot do this on our own. We cannot. How many of you know that part of the reason we, we don't thrive in our faith with God is we believe that we have to do this on our own, that somehow we're always walking around trying to win God's approval. God gave his approval to you when you gave your heart to Jesus Christ, and he looks upon your life, and he no longer sees the old person, but he sees Christ in you. Isn't that good? 
You know, isn't that a good thought? It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's he in me that makes it. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same will bring forth much fruit. For without me, you can't do anything. Joyless Christianity is the reward for soldiering on through life without a spiritual romance with God. You know, how many understand? You hear this loveless marriage things, you know. Uh, you know, I, I don't like that term, right? How many know God doesn't like the term either, loveless marriage? God, uh, God I want to say this to you. If you're living a, a loveless, uh, loveless uh, you're love, you, you, you think you're in relationship with God, but you're not living in a love, loving, affectionate relationship with God, you're going to be a miserable sort. And then we will wonder why people run from us. What we do grows out of his transforming grace and truth in our lives. We do not, we, we, what we do is not because we have to, but it grows out of the fellowship with the Lord. He carries the burden and we walk with him in his strength, in his provision, in his fullness. We follow him and the Holy Spirit fills us as we walk in him. We love him we love in him, we serve in him, and we rejoice in him. The yoke of revelation. You know, I believe that we are meant to continually receive revelation knowledge from God's word. How many believe that? Well, it doesn't mean that, that we come up with a different or different gospel. It just simply means that the bread of God is always more, is always better than one serving. How many of you like fresh bread? Anybody? I, you know, it's so terrible. And, and you have one, and then you got to have another. And when you get into the bread of God's Word, you go deeper, you want more, and you want more. And with a deeper dive into the Scriptures and in prayer and in relationship with the Lord, loving and feasting on your, uh, your relationship with God, dwelling on your identity in Christ, God reveals and shows things that we didn't know. You know, a case in point, you know, John on the Isle of Patmos received a lot of revelation that he had not received before. God showed Peter when he was, uh, fell into the trance. How many of you, if you're in a trance right now, can you hold on a little bit? <laughs> Don't be like Eutychus. Uh, Paul preached so long that Eutychus fell asleep, fell out the window and died. Fortunately, he was resurrected. We, can't, we don't know. You know, sometimes God takes you home. So if you fall asleep, fall out and get hurt, I don't, can't speak for what might happen. When we serve with someone over a mutual, we, we gain a mutual read of one another. And it becomes more apparent uh, whether we are led, more led or more driven. We, you do have to have personal motivation. And there has to be a drive to some extent. But, you know, if you're driven by all these other impulses and rather than being led, you know, how many of you know those impulses might not always really be in alignment with what God's will is for you and his calling on your life? Being a Christian is relational from the beginning. Maybe not what we learn about Christ so much, but what we learn from him. 
the personal revelation. Here's what Paul said, Philippians 3.8. I'm, I'm moving, really. You don't, I know you don't think so. Yet indeed I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having my own righteousness. Come on, how many will say amen to that? Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God above. The righteousness that you have is the righteousness of Christ. It's not our own righteousness. Our own righteousness is nothing more than a filthy menstrual rag. You say, did you have to say it that way? Yeah, absolutely. Because that's what it is. It's that, it's that, and you know, when you read the scriptures, you understand that there's certain things that, that you know, when we, with filthy rags, you just have to research a little more on that. But anyhow, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, it's righteousness, which is from God by faith, so that I may know him, that I may know him. Come on, church, can you say that with me? When I do the the service for those in the dementia unit, I tell them this and I mean it. I tell them they're the most precious people on the planet, that there's no one that I would rather be with at that moment than them. And we sit and we we recite these promises that God has given because sometimes when the mind grows dim, that doesn't limit the Holy Spirit from illuminating truth in the minds of those who know Jesus. And I see people, it's amazing, they can be sitting there and all of a sudden, uh, you know, this, this profound thought will come forth. And you think, oh, well, they, do they have a PhD? Do they, do they, have, they, have they studied for 50? I don't know how long they've studied. I don't know what they, degrees they have, but I know they're gaining revelation. I'm not even sure where I was going, but that's what happens with old, older age. Uh, the yoke of rest, yoke is rest. It's a physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual state of rest in Christ. It's not a thing. It is revealed in Christ by his, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2.13, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, who you were once afar off, have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, is having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law, the commandments contained in the ordinance, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace uh, uh, and that he may reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. Jesus satisfied the demands of the law for you and I so that we would not be crushed by the weight of them and we're not living a life always striving to strain at gnats and, and, and when we have to swallow camels. We are living this life unto the Lord knowing that he, re, he, he didn't abolish the law, but what he did in fulfilling it, he, re, he, he, uh, he made, um, made us free from the enmity or the conflict that ruled over our life with it. I'm going to ask Tammy to come. This will help you feel better. The yoke of revival. You know, to me, revival will never be contained in the sanctuary of Ashbury University. It can't be. Revival goes out into the streets. It goes home. Because if it just happens there, then that, that was a great time in the Lord's presence. But 
God's purpose is to grow something out of every move, to advance something in some direction here, there, or all places, and it will be evidence that revival is much bigger than 10, 12, 14 days, although that's pretty good to be there. It's excellent. My strength is renewed and lengthened. He renew, Psalm 23.3, he renews my strength. He guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. The yoke of relationship. I have a personal relationship with the one whose grace is sufficient for me. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul said, Therefore, I most gladly would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of God may rest upon me. Man was not created nor wired to live a solo life, solitary life, apart from relationship with his creator. This Christian life is not a solo journey. And yes, each one of us must have a personal relationship with Christ, yet no follower of Christ will walk in deficiency because Jesus will always be C.S. Lewis, and you, you have to kind of think about this, because I'm not the brightest bulb, so I read it, had to think about this. He said, the modern habit of doing ceremonial things unceremonially is no proof of humility. Rather, it proves the offender's inability to forget himself and the right, and his readiness to spoil for everyone else the proper pleasure of the ritual. You see, the religious establishment, unfortunately, in Jesus' day, spoiled for everyone the proper pleasure of a relationship with God. What we are yoked to will become apparent to others who seek to join us. People can be yoked to contempt toward others in Christ's name. If you have a spirit of contempt, if I have a spirit of contempt for others, then that doesn't please the Lord. Matthew 23, 4 says, For they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. 2 Corinthians 6, 14, Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship as light with darkness. That doesn't mean that we should not be invested and plug in to a world for which Jesus died. We are not to join in a Christless life when we have been brought into Christ. Galatians 3.1 says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus was clearly portrayed, portrayed as crucified. There were those who led them back, were leading them back into a bondage to the law of sin and death. I'm going to ask you if you'd stand with me for a moment. Under the yoke of grace, I don't evaluate my worth by how many items I have checked off my to-do list. Under the yoke of grace, I do not, I, I do not measure my value against anyone's expectations not even my own.
great scripture, Jeremiah 6, 16. Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. Will you walk in the rest today? Will you walk in Jesus? Will you advance in the love that he has for you? Because once you, once it becomes more that he increases that our becoming less, so much more happens. As we close here in just a moment, and I want to give you an opportunity to give some some God time to your thinking and to your heart. You know, you decide today which yoke you will serve, whether you will serve the yoke of grace and truth or whether whether you'll try to serve a a, a yoke that you believe is truth. Because if you take grace out of it, you are going to be crushed by what the truth does. The truth is right and holy and true, but what it does is it shows us how far away we are. And we need to see with clarity the truth of God's word. But without grace, we would always live under the condemnation of what we are not rather than in the relationship that makes us who we have become. Jeroboam, or Rehoboam, was a, the son of um, Solomon. And uh, when he uh, took the throne, uh, there were those who appealed to him and said "You're about Solomon, your father made our yoke heavy, Now, therefore, lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us, and we we will serve you. And then he spoke to his cronies, and that's what we tend to do. We we seek advice from those who will, um, you know, he sought it with his cronies rather than the elders. He said, thus... This, they told him, thus you shall speak to this people who, who said to you, your father, your father made your, our yoke heavy, but you lighten it for us. And it says, thus you shall say to them, my little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. And now, whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips but I will discipline you with scorpions. And you know what? Rehoboam went out and he regurgitated that to the people. The results were disastrous. I believe they lost all but two of the tribes as the people would not sit under that. The second yoke is the one we've talked about today. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, Christless, and I'll say this, it really doesn't really exist, but you'll know what I mean. Christless Christianity offers nothing, nothing. You take Jesus out of anything, it doesn't matter if you call it Christian or not. You can be the first church of the glorious resurrected Christ, soon coming king. And if 
if we're yoking people to bondage and to lies and half-truths and, and we're putting weight on them, we're not Christian. Jesus, who sets us free, sets us free. Aren't you glad today for that? Jesus set you free. Jesus set you free. Jesus set you free. Jesus sets you free. That's what he does. He doesn't bring you into bondage. If you hate church, it's either because you have a really wrong understanding of what it really is or you have been given a very bad representation of what it is. But on either count, you decide where you go from here. People who say, well, I grew up in church and I got turned off. Well, now that's good. That, that might be the result of what someone else did or didn't do. But your response to that now is your responsibility. That I lay that down and I will not allow that to be my yoke. I won't serve that with that yoke anymore. I'm coming and I'm yoking with Jesus. I'm coming to Jesus. I'm coming to Jesus because he said, Come and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart. He wasn't one of these rigid, self-assured, self-righteous, pompous personalities who wanted a following for themselves. Jesus spoke truth, hard truth, but he did so with heavenly grace. It's as simple as this. If we want revival, it's all centered on the one who's head over all things pertaining to the church, Jesus. It's all about his virgin birth, his sinless life, his miraculous life, his death where that precious blood had been spilled for all of us, purposely spilled, spilled out. It's about his resurrection it's about him coming to the church and appearing to them in between the resurrection and the ascension. And he said, wait until you receive the promise from the high. It's his ascension to the right hand of the Father and it's his promise of a return. How many here just take a moment with me, please? I don't, I, I really, I, I don't think if we, we, if we can endure three hours of any, I mean, we're not going to go three hours, but if we can endure three hours of any activity, what about an hour of God's Word? Jesus, Holy Spirit, Father God, we just open our hearts to this place. Come on, let's invite the spirit of freedom and joy to invade our minds and our hearts in this church. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.